Amen. Our gospel passage today is an interesting reading. It starts with a good question, or perhaps more accurately, it begins with a good request. A particular disciple comes and sees Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and the disciple says, hey, can you teach us how to do that? This disciple says that John had taught his disciples how to pray, and he wanted Jesus to teach them as well. I kind of love this. I love reading stories like this in the Scripture because oftentimes we encounter these characters, these individuals in the Bible, and they seem like such giants of faith, like they already have everything figured out, like they're doing such amazing things, that it's good just to hear one of these people go, I don't know how to do something as basic as prayer. Can you teach me how to do that? And... Really, when it comes down to it, you and I only have a couple of options in learning how to do things. Either we can look at the life of someone who we know and love and trust, and we can see the things that they do in their own life, and we can desire to do those same things, and so we can begin to mimic them until we have some mastery of our own. Or we can cut to the chase, and we can ask this person who we know, love, and or respect, and we can tell them, please teach me how to do this thing that you do. I want to be able to do it too. I also get that prayer brings some of us, or maybe even all of us, anxiety. I have some anxiety about praying, especially public prayer. One of my favorite things to do in formation classes is to not begin every class by praying, but to sometimes invite the people who are there. Hey, I pray all the time. (laughs) Would anyone else like to open us up in prayer? And what inevitably happens is that there is a lot of silence, (laughs) and someone either feels pressured into it and they pray, or no one prays and the silence goes long enough that I jump in. I can think about my own uh, anxiety about public prayer. This performance anxiety of doing something in front of a group of people. And I think there's this like weird fear, not just that we don't know how to do this thing, but if we somehow misspeak in a public prayer, that somehow not only our ability is going to be judged, but also our spiritual walk, our relationship to God is now somehow in question. And I can remember in my junior year of college, I had just finished up my AA at Pensacola State College, and I had transferred to Southeastern University, an Assemblies of God liberal arts college in Lakeland, Florida. And one of the classes that I was going to be taking was a youth ministries course. And one of our assignments was that there was a rota, and each of the students would begin this class with prayer. So we'd have to take prayer requests, and we'd have to remember all the things that people had said, and then we would also have to pray in front of a bunch of other people who were also studying to be ministers, so there was performance anxiety with that as well. And I remember the first time that I prayed in front of this class, I had signed up early, so I didn't have to stress about it for the rest of the semester, stressing about praying. And I remember praying and feeling very comfortable and walking to my seat and sitting down and then hearing my professor, Dr. Hackett, say, now I know Josh can take this critique. And I thought, no, I can't. (laughs) Please don't do this in front of everyone. 
And I remember Dr. Hackett saying, Josh said God or the name of God somewhere between 40 and 50 times in that prayer. Does anyone in this class think that God has forgotten God's name? (laughs) I just remember melting into my seat and being like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to pray anywhere, anywhere again. But this did two things for me. Number one, it, it caused me to slow down. It challenged me to think about the way that I prayed. It caused me to wonder why I felt the need to fill every empty space of prayer with whatever it was that I knew, which was God's name, instead of allowing some silence to be there. It caused me to wonder why I wasn't as comfortable praying as I was in being in conversation with people who I know and who I loved. The other thing that it caused me to want to do or not to want to do is to never pray in a public space again. And so critique is hard, right? It's, it's hard. It, it might teach us something, but it also may cause us to withdraw. But I love Jesus' answer because Jesus does not get on to this particular disciple. He does not tell him that this is the basics. He should already know this. Instead, Jesus begins to teach. And you can tell that Jesus has deep feelings about this topic because he almost doesn't finish any of his answers. He pivots to three different answers in his explanation of what prayer is. He begins by saying, when you pray, say this. And he begins to prescribe what you and I know as the Lord's Prayer. But he does not finish it. He interrupts himself with a story. But I think what stands out about this is that this disciple is likely hearing this, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, for the first time. And the opening line says something like this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, we say this all the time, so maybe it doesn't hit us in the same way. But this disciple, hearing it for the first time, somewhere in the first century, your kingdom come. To believe that we were talking to a king. This disciple probably had never been in a scenario or situation in their entire life where they would have even had an opportunity to talk with a king or at least even someone who had the power or authority of a king. So the idea of approaching someone who had this kind of power and position in society would have been totally foreign to them. Okay, anxiety through the roof. But... Jesus tells them to begin this way. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Jesus begins with relationship. In other words, this person, this entity, this divine being that you are approaching, yes, has position and power and authority, but the way to become more comfortable in your prayer life is to know your relationship to them. And we can get called up on a gendered term here, and I think there is an interesting discussion to be had, and I think that in the church this is the exact right place to have it. But this morning what I want to draw your attention to is the relationship that Jesus is calling this disciple and us, the modern reader, to see between us and God. Not to see ourselves as peasants to a king, as serfs to a monarch, but instead as a child to a parent. A parent who loves us deeply and wants what is best for our life. If we begin with that kind of understanding, suddenly prayer becomes more accessible. Jesus then begins to tell a story. 
And the first line sounds a little bit shady. Suppose you have a friend, as, as if none of these people have friends. But suppose, suppose you were to have a friend. And you go to this friend in the middle of the night because a guest has shown up in your house and you've got nothing to give them. There's nothing to put on the table and they have been on a very long journey. And so you go to the person, the house of the person that you know, and you knock on their door, but it's the middle of the night. And I can hear it now. The person, this friend says, hey, don't bother me. It's after midnight. My lights are off. Like the dogs have just stopped barking. (laughs) My children are tucked into bed. We're trying to get ready for tomorrow. We're watching our favorite Netflix show. Like, I can't, I can't come to the door right now. And the story ends with Jesus saying this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And I cannot tell you how many times this particular part of the passage has been lifted out of context and put on slogans and t-shirts and bumper stickers as though we just have to ask once and suddenly everything's going to be ours. Has anyone ever been disappointed that you prayed and nothing happened? Well, they leave out the middle part of the story. Because Jesus says it is not actually just the knocking or the friendship that brings this person out of bed, but it is the person's persistence at the door. In other words, they just keep doing this. I know you're in bed, but I need something, so you've got to get up because I've got nowhere else to turn. The strange thing in our life is that the people around you may not have the same needs as you. There may be things that are affecting your life or the life of those that you love, and they just don't affect the next person beside you, and so they may be asleep to it. And so you might have to use persistence to wake them up. Prayer is not simply the thing that we do here in this place when we open the book of common prayer. Prayer is not just the thing that we do sitting beside our bed or sitting on our couch or sitting in our car seat at a, at a, a particularly long red light. Prayer is also our lives and our action in the world. And some of us feel like we've been praying for certain things our whole lives. And our parents and their parents prayed for these same things. And things still have not yet changed. And the message of Jesus here is continue praying. Continue knocking. Do not give up. You're awake and you will wake others up too, but you've got to keep knocking. Persistence pays off. Jesus then pivots one more time. And this time, it is almost like he's doing a little bit of stand-up comedy. Because he tells the disciples, listen, if your child came to you, your offspring, this person who you created and loved and cared for, if they asked you for something that they needed that would help them, that would meet some need in their life, would you give them something that would harm them? Jesus uses silly examples. (laughs) Like if they asked for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Anyone listening to this would say, "Of no, of course not. Of course, that's not what I would do. And so Jesus says, well, then how much more Would your heavenly Father, once again returning to relationship, how much more does God want to give you the good things of heaven, which he describes as the Holy Spirit? When this person, when this disciple asks how to pray, the major lesson of Jesus to this person 
is to understand who this God is. You've got to know your audience before you can ever really speak to them. And in knowing your audience, you can understand that God is the kind of God that cares deeply about each and every one of us. There have been times where I have laid in bed at night and I have prayed for God to fix the world and to fix my world personally. There are times where I have known exactly what to pray because I had the words, and there were other times where I tried to pray, but I did not have the words, and so I spent my time praying to God, apologizing that I didn't know what to pray in that moment. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's happening in your life. But what I do know is that prayer is nothing more than a conversation. A conversation with a parent that loves us more than anything and wants to give us the good things, the good things that we need that will help us and heal us and make us whole. Yes, sometimes prayer requires persistence to get other people involved. But God, God is already on your side. And you might say, well, God already knows this. Why do I need to say it out loud? For the same reason that every day my wife comes home and tells me about what happened in her day, and I know it's probably the same thing that happened the day before, But it's important for her, and it's important for me to listen, because in that relationship we need to know one another. And this is what God wants from us too, just to talk to us, just to hear what's on our mind, just to know our deepest need. Amen.